Hello everyone and welcome to episode 36 of Zion's Finest. This is Kenny Brown. In this episode I'm joined by my brother Matthew Scott. What we're going to be doing is giving a general kind of close of the meta discussion. We had a tournament that we played at yesterday that with that tournament and just you know t talking before and afterwards and thinking about it we just had a bunch of ramblings regarding what we what we thought the meta was like. We were looking at a lot of Longshanks data and we're especially talking about the results from the CanCon, the Australia tournament and kind of how that informs our view of the meta going forward. And also in, in light of the fact that next week, us in Utah, and I think a lot of places in the United States, the release for the next five boxes of Shatterpoint stuff, that's insane, is February 23rd. So we haven't, we, we wanted to be able to play with the, you know, Plo and Luke and Vader 2 and Ewoks and everything like that, but we weren't able to for this tournament. So it was kind of a close the meta tournament. It was kind of fun. We're going to be talking about that. One thing, so our audio was, a, not our audio, the recording was a little bit weird. So it's just going to start with Matt talking about, um, he's going to just go straight into the tournament as we transition into that. So just so everyone knows, that's that, it was a little bit weird. But anyway, that's what's going on with that. We encourage everyone to rate and review the podcast. We encourage everyone to join the Slack. That's all I got for you right now. Thanks so much. Have a good week. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So I think there were seven of us in total. Uh, the intention was that we were going to try and get together and play with the new releases, but with everything getting pushed back a week, at least here in the Western U.S., and being old meta stuff. But I was running Vader Obi, so Vader Rex Arfs, and then Obi-Wan Kenobi, the best Obi-Wan Kenobi, at least in my heart. Uh, and then Pat Pat Ahsoka and Handmaidens. Um, I... As listeners of the podcast will know, I've been trying real hard to find a list for a Republic that feels okay. I think that Vader Obi-Wan really can keep up. I, I don't think it's the best list necessarily, but I think that it can win games off of some of the best lists, some of the common lists that are out there. I think that it, it's a pretty, there's a lot of finesse, a lot of careful planning of both your force point spend and your yes. action economy. Because really what you're looking to do is leverage those hunker tokens and that recover plus dash from Kenobi at every opportunity to make it difficult for your opponent to flip points. And it only takes one or two of those hitting were just right to really flip a struggle in your favor. Yeah. The downside of that is you really have to be very carefully positioned. You have to be looking for every single opportunity to do what you want to do with your activation while also spending an action on a take cover hunger token defensive maneuver is great a lot yep. of units are going to have access to those but especially in the metagame right now that's so focused on like diceless displacement and melee attacks from like magna guards with shove um you really need to even kenobi is having to use the take cover action you can't just rely on his like so uncivilized to get it back because that's rage only yeah um the, in the three rounds that I played first round was up against Curtis who was running um cad grievous I think the full list was Cad, uh, Kalani, V2s, Grievous, Kraken, Magnus. So he was yep. playing a point down. Um, and Curtis likes droids a lot. I, it was We were playing on shifting priorities. And Vader was just kind of a beast in that matchup. I did the thing that I like to do a lot playing Republic, where I, in the first struggle, I lean really hard on one particular side of the table. And so my the matchup was basically my whole list on the left side against his um, Cad, Kalani, Magnas, and then eventually like B2s 
yeah. and Grievous were able to get into the mix. But it really mitigated. I think Grievous one shot as Paddle on Ahsoka, and that's pretty much all he did the whole game. Yeah. Um, it was one of those where it was just kind of back and forth attrition. And really, what happened in that one is, I uh, he won the first struggle, and and Curtis went really hard into okay, I don't need to play for the second struggle at all. I'm just going to try and set up for the third struggle, and so I chose to say like well i don't need to pressure hard in struggle two because he's not even like trying to contest points yes and so instead of trying to win that struggle as fast as possible i was like scoring two or three and then just focusing on maximum damage output yeah and positioning for struggle three myself and then the flop worked out really well was able to take away the win yeah um the second round was against mall mother full mandos bow gar and then both mando supports uh, taylor was playing that list that was also a really close game that really came down to, again, we we all sort of fought on one side of the map, and that was where Vader was, and so that really helped. Um, this one was a much, like, this was a really close game, but again, in the end, it was one of those things where his mall was kind of on the opposite side of the table and wasn't really able to impact the rest of the board where both of my primaries were moving around and going fast as possible. Yeah, and then my third round game was against you. Um, yeah, yeah. You want to talk about your other game uh, on Saturday before we dive into that? Yeah, let's do that. Before we do that, though, I want you to say why is it that you're running handmaidens over commandos, where handmaidens don't have access to, they don't have take cut co- or not take cover, they don't have defensive maneuver, they also don't have a shove, right? Like, what's that? What's the thought there? Yeah, so I mean, having the extra point of health is really great. Uh, I think that the ex- exposed flake is a very weird ability. I have not been the biggest fan of it. I've been on the record with that, but it does. It, you are fairly consistently able to get a pretty respectable attack that is kind of roughly on par with the, what the clone commandos are doing anyway. However, that extra point of health and the ability to like you are wanting to do exposed flank anyway and if you do an exposed flank plus take cover action that's about equivalent to in advance that's a little bit more than that anyway yeah so they don't have any access to the hunker tokens but they just have enough durability and enough tricks on the midline that that intercede can really be a big deal in the right context to protect like a secondary or a primary oh that's right so it gives them just enough of a breakpoint. Whereas the problem with clone commandos is they're just really easy to one shot. Yes. And if you're playing Kenobi on the table, you are really trying to say, I need to not get one shot. My yeah. units need to be able to survive one attack so they can recover and dash back. And that suddenly creates a whole host of problems for your opponent. And so the handmaidens just really hit the right breakpoint where the clone commandos just don't. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that, that It's super interesting that that is the case, but. Yeah, I love that. Yes. Okay, so sometimes it's just raw stats is what matters. Yeah, no, wild, wild that that's the case. Wild that magnet okay. guards have ten health. Speaking of raw stats, okay, yeah. so yeah, the other big upside on handmaidens is that they are super fast, so they can get yes. around the table. They have a jump on that first step of their attack tree, and so if they need to travel across the board, being able to do like a jump pl- or a, a, an advance plus a climb plus a jump as part of an attack is just some crazy good mobility. Yes, it, it is interesting because they don't have shoves, but like you said, they have the jump plus a reposition, right? And that the mobility matters, right, in terms of being really able does. to use swing points. I do think, though, it is 
harder to like a shove makes sense how are you going to display someone off of a point well i'm going to shove them twice and it's a little bit harder i think to spatially visualize how you're going to do a similar thing with the movement that the uh handmaidens are giving you so that they're it's a little bit trickier to manage but i mean it's the same principle of having this you know kind of out of out of not out of activation but out of movement action movement so yeah yeah, sometimes you're double stacking them on a point to just use raw bodies to flip it and then making sure they have a hunger token and saying, like, come push me off, like, good yeah. luck. Yeah. And other times it's just sort of like, okay, like, they're maybe not going to flip something right now, but they can soften things up. They can have an impact across the board. I'm pretty happy playing Republic, especially in the first struggle to say, I don't necessarily have to apply maximum pressure. I just need to go even or slightly better in terms of trading points. Because really what I'm trying to do is build up a, an attrition advantage over yeah. the course of the game that I can leverage in Struggle 3. Yeah. And it's a list that's good enough at, like, you can win Struggle 1 or you can win Struggle 2 and you feel okay. Yeah, and it's super, again, so wait, did you play uh, round, game 1 was Shifting Priorities or Sabotage Showdown? Yeah, yeah I, so I only played Sabotage in my second round. So Shifting Priorities, I played both first round and third round. Okay, so like like Matt said, the tournament we had seven players at it. We were we were supposed to have eight, and I was going. I had the by the first round to play against the eighth player, but he just never showed up. So I played my second game. By the way, the second round was against Justin Chavez, who was running Lumi Duku. I think that Justin is probably the strong. I, mean, I don't think probably I, he's the strongest local player we have. He plays a lot of yeah. games. And he has also he's played a lot of X-Wing. Um, he, he, he is just very good at these kind of games. Super strong player. And uh, again, I know we've said it a million times, but he was the one who kind of beat the drum on Lumi and got all of us to do our reassessment on Lumi. So, and, and Lumi Dooku is such a strong, such a good, strong list. And just because the ability, like Lumi's ability, her identity in terms of getting dashes when you're wounding, when you're playing with Dooku, Django Magnas is really strong. And then the other parts of his list were he had Kraken and Soups. And we talked about this after the game. He thinks he's probably going to drop the Soups for B2s just because with Kraken, I Kraken and Magnas alone is awesome, but Kraken B2s and Magnas is just very strong. So, yeah. so we, we played a game. It was an, it was on shifting priorities, very tight game. Um, I was, I won the second and third struggle. I think that's, I'm pretty positive. That's how that went down. Um, and the, the, the struggle three flop was not good for him. Um, it was one of those things where he was not clearly advantaged with either. And so I was playing, I, I guess I should have said this. I was playing Vader Dooku and I literally just ran all of the best units. So it was the Dooku box, Vader, OB2 and Arfs. And the idea was I took OB2 over Barris or something else, because I think that OB2's mind trick ability is so stupidly good. And it is so stupidly good with Dooku and with Vader because of all of the force that you have. And also, Dooku's got access to force refresh, right? So I'm starting with eight force. And if you wound one of my primaries or secondaries, I'm refreshing two. And Django can refresh force, right? So there's just a it's lot just of... Wild. Yeah, it's and, and wild. it is wild. And the force demands of the list are actually, I mean, so you've got Mind Trick. And then you've got Django stuff, but really the the force demand of the list is pretty minimal. 
Um, you, I mean, you want Vader to be able to do his Vader's Fury. Um, but besides that, you're, you don't need to spend Force unless you really want to. So in, our, in my game with Justin, it was super interesting. And this is something I want to call out where Luke Thompson on the Slack talks about how Vader, he says that Vader can have very middle of the road activations for a primary because he's only ever taking one spot and only if he can do it by, you know, he all he can do is go up and kill somebody, right? And shove him off the point. He doesn't have any out of activation movement. So you're re relying on leveraging his identity in order to get more out of him. But obviously that's not happening on his activation. Now, I think that Vader has some of the strongest activations in the game yeah. in terms of single impact, right? But it's true. Um, and what happened in our game, it was kind of, it was a weird kind of tempo with my game with Justin. And it helped me kind of see what um, Luke was talking about. I pulled my Shatterpoint first and I said, okay, well, I'm going to shuffle that back in. Don't be Vader. And the next card I pulled is Vader. So I decided to send Vader up one side of the board and then Justin actually pulls his Shatterpoint, but he has the opportunity to activate Dooku, which he does, sends up Dooku to, you know, get in the face of Vader lightnings vader and just stacks all the conditions on him so now and my vader did nothing this game he like did almost nothing this game and it was really interesting because obviously vader is a very powerful figure which means that as a very powerful figure who is kind of only doing one thing if you can stack conditions on him like pin disarm bleed which dooku did then there's just a lot less that Dooku's or Vader's going to be able to do. So it was a really interesting game. It was a very tight back and forth game. I mean, I knew I was going to lose struggle one. So I kind of, I, I kind of pulled a mat and went to leverage struggle two, just going for damage and trying to set up, trying to set up for positions so that Django could deny activations, things like that. I will say that Justin was doing the same thing to me where he was getting figures low enough that Django could, um, threaten to not so fast them. I actually had to ultimately reserve my Django because he had one health left and Justin had positioned his Django in a really great spot. Like, I mean, he, my Django is at one health. He's still in my deck. And then Justin takes a point or comes up to contest a point and is now also denying me the Django activation. So it was a really tight game. I was able to just barely eke it out, um, but very tight game. Okay, so let's talk about our game three, Matt. Yeah, yeah, this was wild. So we played on shifting priorities. Yep. Um, so you were first player. Our yep. struggle one was super, super tight, and it was just like I mean, I think you went with Ars first, yep. kind of moved him up to the midline. Yep. Then I flipped out Vader, and he one shot the Arfs. Yep. And then you flipped out your Vader, and you took out my Vader. And yep. so it was just kind of like trading blows, trading objectives. It was super, super close. One of those struggle ones where it got down to like each activation. It was like okay winning the struggle is just a little bit out of reach for me. And then it passes the other player. It's just a little bit out of reach for them kind of back yep. and forth. Um, and then there was my Kenobi activation that was just yeah. brutal. So um, you had a Jenga that was like one or two damage away from getting wounded. The middle yep. point was up high and neither of us on like a, a small piece of terrain. Yep. And I think we were tied uh, in terms of out of elevation contesting. And I was sort of like, okay, my Kenobi was on the B3, like right side objective. And your um, A3 was your active backline objective. Yes. And I was like, okay, it's Kenobi. Uh, he can flip that backline objective that's unprotected, but I would like for him to maybe do something else first. Django was right there, but it's like, you don't really want to spend a Kenobi attack, especially when you have Vader on the table on like 
doing two damage to Django. Yeah. And there were Magna Guards in the middle, and I was like, oh, cool. If I can wound those Magna Guards, or even just push them off, I'm going to flip two points and, like, get some damage on Magnas, which is great. So, like, after sitting in the tank for a minute, I move him over there, and I make an attack, and you're like, Matt, I, he, I'm going to Mind Trick. And I yeah. completely missed that the Magna Guard was in Mind Trick range for OB2. Yeah. And just that just completely broke my activation. Um, can, I lost mobility. I lost the ability to do other stuff. And so it was one of those where, like, I was good. If my plan had worked, I would have scored, like, three points plus a momentum. And instead, I scored one. Yeah. And so that went from a really close struggle one to just completely flipping in your favor. Yeah. Um, and that was, and like, I was, I was beaten down enough that I nearly just conceded. I was like, yeah. I don't think I recovered from this. This is awful. But yeah. we played through a tight struggle too. Um, Rex did some work. Arfs did some work. And we ended up in a really close, like, struggle three. We were right at time. And it kind of, what it came down to was, I, there was, I, I think I had one last activation where I was like, okay, Handmaidens have been wounded twice. They're go they're, they're it's their last turn on the table. Yep. They've got to try and wound Django and remove him and flip that point. And they and Django just kind of rolled hot on his defense dice. And it just didn't quite pan out. Yeah. And you had said that you you if you had paid the force from your arfs to expose Django, I'm pretty positive Django would have been wounded there. Because Django's, Django's expertise is just so good, right? I think I, I rolled four blocks yeah. because I have two blocks and expertise, you know? And yeah, so. and this is one thing that's crazy about Vader, and particularly the Vader Obi list. Like, because it's a list that is playing so hard for attrition, like, yeah. it is very often the case that you're, like, you are going to see supports especially get removed. Yeah. And one of the things that's crazy about Vader is when you, when you have a unit that's on their last activation, they're about to get removed anyway, they don't care about taking damage. And yes. so a support activation like Handmaidens can suddenly, both of them can stack on the Vader dice and just swing for it. Yeah. And it was one of those things where, like, I could have either spent three force on exposed flank for them to get a little extra mobility and then get, like, two focused, huge die melee attacks. Yes. And I was kind of like, I, I don't think that I need the force to do that. Like, and I, and I haven't actually run the math on the dice, but I'm pretty sure that it was just, like, yeah, they're like I had to take the risk, and the rest didn't pay off. Yeah. Um. If so, if I had done that, or if I had spent a bunch of force on an expose, then it would have gotten there, and I would have stayed in the game. But it was, it was truly wild. Uh. I mean, Ob two mind trick with the Dooku Force Econ and with Magna Guards is just absolutely backbreaking. It's especially brutal. when one of your primaries only has melee attacks. It just it really hampers what they can do. Like my big takeaway from that game, so. I was running Padawan Ahsoka. I still think she's very good, yeah. but I think in the current state of the metagame, she has a really hard time finding a home because she's really great at defending against range attacks. She's really great at sticking to a point when she's being shot at from range. She did a ton of work for me in my game against Curtis and his droids. Oh, good point. But but the factors that are in the game right now are very much like diceless displacement and melee displacement attacks or big damage melee attacks. And those are kind of the two things that Padawan Ahsoka is vulnerable to. Yeah. And having a un another unit on the table that only has melee attacks is just really tough into Magnas, into Obi-2. And so I think Wolf is going to be a pretty big upgrade for that spot. Yes. Um, I also think Sabe has a lot of potential if you're running Handmaidens. 
as well to be kind of a more ranged like i think that's kind of the option you have to take if you're playing kenobi if you're playing republic and you're not playing ob2 with crazy force regen yeah i think you have to lean on your ranged attacks because ranged attacks that are impactful can really make mind trick decisions much harder to for your opponent to navigate yeah agreed it's super interesting because ob2 is in a weird way in in like a vader dooku not a vader dooku list in any list in which ob2 is um in your list he really determines the flow of battle because if he is first onto a point your opponent will generally just avoid him kind of like dooku because it's like it is not worth it going up there i mean i I guess you can you can say well i'm just going to tax the force econ but a lot of times if like my opponent will commit a lot of resources to attack ob2 i just let him have him I'm like, okay, right. like go for it, right? Like he, yeah. he has done he's that's his job. You know, he has right. he's pulled you away. I'll I'll I will mind trick zero times and OB2 has taken two attacks, right? So that's awesome. But if he goes later, then what happens is OB2 kind of jumps into a a position that you've already established on the board. This is what I did in our game. Where, I mean, I would like him to go earlier, but when he goes late, that is kind of one of the nice things is you've set up a position. My opponent has set up a position. Now, Obi-2 drops into the middle of everybody. He's range three of, you know, all of my figures in one spot of the board. And now your opponent is just being forced to make the most difficult of decisions in terms of thinking like, you know, who am I going to attack? Can I, can I, can I afford the mind trick tax, right? Because I have eight force and force refresh. So it's like, yeah. if, if if you're wounding people, I'm going to be able to refresh my force. If you're not attacking who I want, I'm going to be able to mind trick. And it was just a very, it was just a very, very strong position. OB2 is insane. Yeah, it, it, it's, it is truly oppressive. And I think in particular, like, on paper, like, I was talking about this at the tournament, uh, General Kenobi, the primary, actually has a really interesting interaction with mind trick because his hello there dice are added, like, the text specifically is is added to the next attack roll you make okay. during this activation. Whereas a lot of other abilities like Vader's dice say during the next attack, you yeah. get the dice. And so with Vader and other you know, units, it's sort of like, well, the attack does happen, mind trick ends it, and so you lose the dice. Yeah. Whereas with Kenobi, if you are attacking into mind trick, you say, okay, I'm making a 10 die attack. And then you get mind trick and you say, okay, I'm going to make an eight die attack into die something attack. else because you get to keep those dice. And that's yes. a very cool idea, except that Magna Guards with their intercede means yep. that it's really hard to line up a, like, if if the Magna Guards are in range of OB2, you, you just can't get around it. The mind yeah. trick is just going to full brick your attack. And yep. that is just a hard place to be. I do really like leveraging support attacks into OB2 because they feel bad to mind trick on. Yep. You can shove him out of position or you can just get some chip damage in that he then has to spend to recover or, you know, whatever later. Yeah. And so I think like range attacks and support attacks can be the key to getting through, but he really is, especially with the like force refresh from Dooku where you just like anytime you want to mind trick, you basically can, and it yeah. doesn't actually feel like attacks. It's just really hard to deal with. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And that, I want to tra- transition from that into a comment. So we one thing that was 
we talked about after the tournament was over, a few of us went out to dinner and we were talking about kind of just the relative position of everything um, in terms of the meta. And this, and then Matt and I were talking about this today and Matt brought up that he thinks this, a list like Vader Dooku is better than Vader Grievous. And this, and the reason I'm going to highlight this with a comment that Justin made, because Justin talked about how Vader, um, I think, I think he was talking about specifically with Vader Grievous, how it's just so one dimensional, right? It's just go forward, murder things, right? Which is Justin's point, which I think is a very good point is that that list is extremely good for new players playing new players, right? Or even kind of like newish players playing newish players because it does what it's doing very well. Um, but as people get better at the game, and and I think this is especially the case with figures like Dooku um, on the board, is that you're able to kind of play against it like in a certain way. So so anyway, so Matt, what do you think about like Vader? Like, do you think that Vader Grievous just kind of falls to the wayside for these other play patterns of like Vader Ob two, Vader Dooku? What do you think? I mean, I think so. I mean, it's it's complicated because like the way that premier list building works really complicates these things i agree that like vader grievous is really one-dimensional it is very much like i'm gonna be the best at just like walking into struggle one and like whacking people and murdering them and i'm just gonna try and build that snowball throughout but it is a list that can be brittle like it is very good at doing what it wants to do but if it fails to do that, it doesn't have a backup plan. It doesn't yep. have a lot of other tools. And if it starts to fall behind on the attrition game, it's just kind of like, well, guess I'll die. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I think that there are some things that amplify that. I mean, sh- shifting priorities also really wants you to play the game that way. It's sort of yes. it's very all in on the first struggle. Whereas Sabotage Showdown is a little bit more back and forth. What I like about Vader Dooku over Vader Grievous is that it's like, it is almost as good at the aggro plan as yes. vader grievous uh it will probably lose in a straight aggro to vader grievous but you also have some crazy displacement and you have some crazy tricks you have this crazy force economy that you can yep. manipulate and force your opponent to play a different game and i think it's just a more flexible more versatile list that that is allowed to adapt to the flow of the game in a way that vader grievous just isn't yeah i also think that from the other perspective um from a premier perspective vader dooku uh, it's it's a little bit complicated because like dooku is a box that you want to run in a lot of different contexts and vader is also a unit that you want to run in a lot of different contexts and so as we look forward into the meta i am curious to see like our premier list gonna land on like okay here's my dooku squad and then here's my vader squad or do they say like here's my vader dooku kind of all comers list and then i'm gonna run like a more specialty like you know grievous droids that i'll play sometimes into the right matchup or ewoks to sometimes into the right matchup or that kind of a thing so i could see it going either way but i think that the i I think that vader dooku has a much higher ceiling uh in terms of skill and piloting and it's just a more durable list if things go wrong yeah, I think that what I think, I think the flexibility of Vader Dooku is it because Dooku is not Grievous in terms of he's not going to be able to spike damage and he doesn't have what Grievous has in terms of, so Dooku obviously has the out of activation movements for droids, but Grievous can really bear down on a point if he has got Magnas in tow or B2s yeah. or something because he goes up, he's going to kill something and if he doesn't kill it, then he's got Magnas or B2s that are going to be able to swing up and kill it. And it is just, it can be very strong. But 
Grievous is a very, as we talk about, he is a very fragile piece, right? And if he doesn't have Magnus around him, he's just, he's not going to be able to stand on a point and he's going to get yeah. wounded, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Dooku, Dooku kind of functions like Dooku and Obi-2 are kind of denying like wide swaths of the board to your opponent. And it could just, absolutely, ooh, it can, it, can, it can be very tough. The other thing too, is that one of the places where Vader Grievous is just a lot more vulnerable than Vader Dooku is against like range attacks and players with lists that know how to deny targets to the melee attacks. Yes. I think that there's a, there's a way that you can sort of tax Vader Grievous where they, they have to move up to a point and just stand there and say, come fight me. Yes. And then you can say, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will let you slowly win, yes. but you can't reach me and I can reach you and I can build up a damage advantage that way. Yeah. Whereas again, Dooku is just sort of like, well, Obi-2 blunts a bunch of that. I mean, Django is in both lists, but Django is just incredible. And having infinite force, force to spend on Django is just crazy. Yeah. Like, there, it's it's a list that has a little bit more flexibility in terms of how it wants to play. Yeah, absolutely agree. So with that being the case, what I want to do now is I want to... So we're about to have five boxes of Shatterpoint drop. Okay, so it's going yeah. to be the Ewoks. It's going to be Loop 2, Vader 2. It's going to be Plo. And what I want to do is I, I want to talk about kind of give a current state of the meta. And then what we'll do is we'll transition to where we think that the next meta is going to go. And I want to just quickly reference. So we haven't had a ton of lar- large tournaments. I, I mean, Longshanks has some really good data and there have been some good tournaments recently. I think the best tournament um, recently has been CanCon that happened in Australia where Luke Thompson went 5-0. and And I want to talk about that. And I also kind of want to talk about the broader Longshank statistics in terms of like where we're at right now. So at CanCon, which was a, I think 27, it was between like 25 to 30 person tournament um, that happened in Australia. It's the largest tournament that I know of um, for a premier format event for Shatterpoint so far. And what's really interesting is that Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan, was in 19 games and won 13 of them. He had an almost a 70% win rate. I would not have expected that. The Inquisitor was in three games. That We're, we're going to ignore him. Mama T was in 27 games, and she won 63% of, her, of them. Ball yeah. was in 48 games and won 58. He almost won 60% of his games. And then Dooku, yeah. Dooku was in 25 and won 56% of his games. So, you know, this, this top five, and really kind of top four, is Obi-Wan, Mama T, Lord Maul, and Dooku. I would expect two of them, kind of maybe three of them. I would never have thought Obi Wan would have been um, would would have been on this point because who I would have thought would have been there would be someone who's all the way down at the bottom, not at the bottom, but number twelve, Darth Vader, Jedi Hunter was in thirty eight games and only he only won forty percent of them, and this is something. It is wild. Justin actually called this out. We were talking about this last night because I was kind of in shock to know that this was the case. And I don't, I, it's, it's, you know, it's obviously it's tough to draw lots out of a single event, right? Even though it's, it's a well-attended event and these are super strong players, it's hard to tell too much out of that, right? Like what, who are the primaries who's being run with and against, right? And there's just not a lot, there's a lot that we could parse if we go into the data, but I don't, I don't really want to, um, get too deep into that it's just a very interesting kind of snapshot of what i uh, of the meta right now that i would not have expected to be the case yeah i mean i mean there's a lot of things going on in there one of the things that i suspect and who knows but like there's been a lot of noise made about vader ever since he was released 
And I know Vader, like he has dominated the tabletop simulator leagues. He has yep. he's done really really well. Yep. And I and I guess so. I suspect there is some mix of. I think you're correct that like Vader can be a really one dimensional figure if you play him that way. I think he's actually quite a versatile piece if you don't just you know, get lured into the dark side of like I'm just going to chuck a million dice all the time. But if you yeah. use him more as like he's a really fast piece. He hits hard. He has a phenomenal ranged attack. Like he can do some really great work and be a, a very flexible piece. And I think that maybe there's some mix of like, okay, new players that are sort of like, oh, I'm going to run Vader. Whereas the more experienced players are like, I'm kind of sick of Vader. Yeah. Uh, I want to tech against him rather than playing him myself or that kind of a thing. Yeah. So that could be part of it for sure. I think that I'm happy to see a primary Kenobi doing well. I think that yeah. he, he is a piece that requires a lot of reps and a lot of finesse in order to squeeze value out of him, but the value is there. Yeah. Very much so. I also think like like any like part of what we are seeing is that out of activation movement is king, right? Like yeah. Talzin, Lumi, Maul. Like Maul is, is also crazy because he is like he hits hard, he has a great range attack, he is very mobile. Uh, he has diceless displacement, displacement yep. and he has phenomenal force econ. And so yep. he's just such a good plug and play unit. Yep. Um, I would be curious to hear, you know, from Luke and some other players about like, what is, what are their local scenes like in Australia and like, what, what are players they're preferring and kind of what's going on that way? Like are people just sick of Vader or yeah. has there been a really strong like tech against Vader solution that they found? But yeah, that's really fascinating to me. Yeah, the other thing that's interesting is so I even though I said I wasn't going to, I just I just I'm looking at the advanced statistics for the event and what Vader's his two most common allied units were Maul, which is interesting. So he had 11 games with Maul and he only won 36. percent That's interesting because I'm not positive. I wonder what those lists are and Lumi. Yeah. So he was with Lumi a lot and only won 30 percent of those games. That's interesting because those obviously don't strike me as his strongest pairings. Uh, And it's kind of interesting that that is the case. Um, I don't actually think that I don't, I can't see a single list where there is, oh, there was a Vader Grievous. There was in one, that was run once and and, and he lost. The other thing is, is that they have missions here and Sabotage Showdown, Vader did way worse than Shifting Priorities. He was winning winning 60% of his games on Shifting Priorities and only 35% of his games on Sabotage. Yeah, that's really interesting to me. I, I would because I actually think that like I think Vader does well on both. I yeah. think that there is a thing where Vader can be vulnerable to just getting gunned down. You know, yeah. he, he is durable, but you can take him out, and once you take him out, his job gets a lot harder. And yeah. so and I do think that shifting priorities sets up some opportunities to make that happen sooner rather than later especially if you're in this mode where you're like Vader's invincible, he's going to move to the center and whack people. Like he can go down pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that we were kind of in transitioning to this, to the wider meta was that when we were talking last night, the thing that everybody has, you know, everyone has kind of settled on. And this isn't just us. I think this is kind of everywhere is that Dooku really is kind of stands at a preeminent place in the meta right now. Because one, I mean, because Django and Magnus are so good and because he is just a natural, they, they naturally fit in his list, right? Which makes sense. They're in his box. I mean, Duduku has just been played over and over and over. One one thing that we talked about, Justin mentioned this, was that in the last two months that Vader's win rate, like on Longshanks, has really gone down. Whereas Duku, I mean, Duku is just as, like, he just keeps, 
yeah, he just keeps going steady. He's got a 55% win rate. And it's that's very, very interesting because I, I, I don't think that's some some people, no one's really saying like Dooku should be nerfed. Everyone is saying that Magnus should be nerfed, Shango should be nerfed. But Dooku is really interesting because he just sits in this really interesting spot as the leader of the Separatist army where he has a very strong activation. He has a great activation and he has great defensive capabilities. And one thing that we're going to talk about is his ability in a future episode is units, their ability to, um, this is something that Vince actually brought up, Vincent brought up on the Slack, which is such a good idea about um, dead draws, right? Like the, right. the value, the, the kind of the heat of your deck. And Dooku just provides so much heat because he's going to take a spot. He's going to be very hard to remove off of a spot. He's defensively strong. He's swinging units around the board. And he just sits at the top of the meta. Like right now, I mean, so right now the top of the meta is Dooku, Vader, and Mama T all have a 54% win rate. But Dooku has 3,000 games and a 54% win rate, which is pretty wild. And it hasn't gone down recently. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that this event really changed my mind. Like, I had previously been on the, like, okay, I think Dooku's probably fine. It's, like, Django and Magnus that are over the top and that need to get adjusted. Yeah. Uh, this event really changed my mind both about Dooku and Vader as units that I think need to get adjusted. I think, like, if you look at Dooku's in, or identity ability about, you know, where he gives you two Force Refresh and then a Separatist support can dash and make a five-die attack... It's or, dash or. Yeah, dash or. But it's like, those two things together are just pretty wild, especially when that support is going to be Magna Guards every single time. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And so, like, to some extent, like, you read that and you're sort of like, oh, like, also Dooku's Force Refresh flips up when you're wounding primaries and secondaries. And so you read that and you're like, oh, the tech against that should be, like, his supports are vulnerable, so you need to wound his supports, and then, like, he doesn't get the refresh, and then the dash... When he does get the refresh later, it doesn't matter. But the problem is, like, one, like, like one Magnus are busted, and they're always there with him. Two, yeah. the force refresh is insane, and, like, Django's ability to just, like, no matter how many times you wound Django, like, if he has the force, he can just get it done. He can yeah. just do things. And so, like, those things matter. I also think that, like, OB2 sits in a very weird place where, like, I find mind trick really frustrating. I find it especially frustrating the way it interacts with like Magna Guard intercede and how they prevent you or bodyguard or whatever it's called on them. Like the way that that just takes it from like, okay, there's a tax here to like fully, you just can't interact with it. Yeah. And the ability for Dooku to just say like, you're never going to run out of force and you can just do this as many times as you want is just absurd. And I think that like, like there's this idea in the separatist design that's like, hey, uh, we don't have a like we don't have a ton of force to spend, but we do get pretty good refresh, and like so it's like we get to use the same abilities over and over again, but they're limited. Whereas like Republic is very, uh, everybody wants to spend force all the time, and we don't have access to it, so we have to be careful about what we do. Yeah, and and I think that identity for separatists would work a lot better if there was actually a way to tax that force econ in a way that's meaningful. Yeah. And I think that like as long as Ob two remains unchanged, uh, which I think he kind of maybe should, maybe some interaction should be interrupted. But I think that he's probably fine if he doesn't have access to just unlimited force from Dooku. Yeah, because the problem is, is that like in our game, I I mind tricked what three or four times, twice in one round, right? That's yeah. That, that's wild, you know, just to be, just, that that level of deny is just kind of crazy. 
Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where like, I am fine with an ability that makes choices hard for your opponent, yeah. but it's another thing entirely to just say like, you can't do anything. And yeah. your only option is to try and tax them so that at some point in the future, you can do something yeah. like that. The, the amount of tax that you have to work through there is, is just absurd. The other thing that I have really changed my mind about on Vader is like, I have been pretty like adamant that it's like, Oh, he's probably fine. He's good. He should be good. You know, yes. all of that stuff. Uh, I, I'm still on board with the change I've previously suggested, which is like, maybe his innate should only be allowed on force users or at the very least be like a non-droid unit. Cause it's yes. weird to me that you can like tempt a droid to the dark side. Like that, yeah. that is kind of a flavor loss. And yeah. I like, I like the idea of it applying only to force users. And I don't even think that really slows Vader down all that much. It just makes yeah. him like really good instead of just like amazing. Yeah. But I also think that Vader is too fast. Like, yes, it, it is crazy to me that it's like he has the hardest hitting attacks in the game. Yep. He has the most mobility in the game. He is one of the most durable primaries in the game. But, and he just gets to, and he's a range attack. And he gets to do all of those things. And like, you look at all of these other primaries, like most of the Republic ones and Asage, who are just like, we're melee only for some reason. <laughs> Yeah, and exactly. we don't get to do we aren't as good in melee as vader yep and so it, it's like especially because like the ability to advance plus add two damage is just wild it's um, so crazy and if you compare it to like anakin like like you can make an argument that like hey situationally a jump can be better than an advance sure but the problem is that if you have access to that advance either before or after your move activation you yeah. can effectively turn your move activation to a climb. Exactly. And, you, and it's the same, like, worst case scenario, it is identical to Anakin, except you also get plus two damage on your attack. And yeah. often it just means like, oh, you're right, he's already killed everybody around him, and so now he's just going to motor to the other side of the board and start killing people there. Yeah. It, it's just wild. Yeah. I mean, that was what happened in our game. My So my, my game against Justin, my Vader did very little because Dooku stacked conditions on him. But in our game, you put your Vader up. My Vader goes from my back corner to wound your Vader. Then he swings up on the next act. The next time he activates, he swings to the next corner up top in order to wound Arfs. Then he swings all the way other to the opposite, not the opposite corner, the, the, the corner that is on the same row but you know the yeah. furthest away so from like a3 to a1 he swings from a3 to a1 in order to wound snips right yeah. like that's crazy in terms of like that kind of mobility and so yeah. i think that, that him being too fast that's actually a really great observation especially from a thematic perspective like when you yeah. when you see him in the original movie in the original trilogy it's like yeah. he is kind of slow he yes. is not as agile as luke and he throws his lightsaber as a way to try to counteract that. And yeah. so I think it would be fine if he kept his ranged attack, but like, what if Vader's Fury was just a dash? Dash, like, yeah. You get a dash and two damage, and then, and that, like, he's still pretty fast, but he's not, like, double advanced. Like, like, there are very few units that are as fast as him, and the ones that do have access to four speed, like most notably Ahsoka and Barriss, yeah. are just having nowhere near the impact during their activation that 100%. Vader is. 100%. That is absolutely the case. Yeah, and so I'd like to, to kind of close this off before we talk about what we think happens with the, the meta. It's really interesting because Dooku, Vader, Mama T, Grievous, Mace, Lumi, Maul, and uh, 
Padme are kind of the, that is like the north of 50 percenters and that's going down. So Dooku's obviously, you know, got the best one, right? And that kind of like accords with my general sense going down like the, the, the sub 50 percenters. So Obi-Wan only has a 49% win rate. That's so, you know, Cad Bane's 48, Ahsoka's 47, Asajj's 45. I mean, this is, I think the dip from actually 47 to 45 is a big one. Because we go, yeah. Asajj is 45, Grand Inquisitor is 45, and Annie is 42%, right? Yeah. So that's kind like that kind of, it's really interesting to think about how this w- might change as the, the meta goes forward, as the game goes forward. I, yeah. I worry that a lot, a lot of these units that are already low, with the exception of Obi-Wan n- and Cad Bane, so really what I'm thinking of, Ahsoka, An- Asajj, Anakin, and the Inquisitor kind of get left behind. Um, but it'll yeah. be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how every because I think everything north of that line continues to do well, right? Even with yeah. all of the new stuff that's coming out. Yeah, I do think Anakin is quite a bit better than his win rate would suggest. I think that he exists Agreed. in a particular pocket of like he's in the core set, so he's ex- he's the one of the more accessible units for new players, and sure. he's a piece that requires a lot of skill and finesse to pilot effectively. And so new players are going to play him, and they're going to not do very well. And also vader is just a more consistent kind of better unit that kind of fills all of the gaps that anakin would like so your really hardcore like competitive players are just going to say like why would i ever play anakin in case of vader and they're kind of correct um and so i I do like i think that there's some effects like that on the data that's really interesting but yeah Yeah. i I mean i i think that the those data points largely track with what i would what i expect and experience in the game right now yeah, it's also kind of interesting because with the the hardcore asterisk that like Dooku and Vader are kind of warping things in different ways, I think the game actually feels pretty balanced in that there's a lot of different approaches you can take. I, our tournament wouldn't suggest that, but I, I think that it, it is very much the case that if you are a Mama T player, if you're a droid player, and if you're a Republic player, like there are just a lot of, there are a lot of options that you can take. And if you're good at the list, you can do well. I think certain yeah. lists have like a higher floor right so it's easier to play them and yeah. certain lists like especially the republic where if you, there's a lot of mistakes you can make that can trip you up and make you a sad panda bear but yeah i think that i mean i think shatterpoint especially because of the way list building works does have a tendency towards like you have a cool idea where you're like oh i want to try a build around this particular unit and see if i can kind of make them work And because you have a limited number of slots you kind of end up slowly optimizing towards just a better list that already exists yeah and so like like i think that like there's a lot of cool ideas or things that you could try within the context of republic but it i think that overwhelmingly the constraints and like what exists within that faction push you towards like vader plus one of kenobi lumi plo and then just run all the best stuff right yeah Yeah. and and i think that there are similar effects there with dooku on the table where like a lot of primaries have their best pairing with Dooku and a lot of primaries have their best pairing with Vader. And I think that a lot of premier list building comes down to how do I find exactly the right approach there? I think that there are some lists that don't run either of those pieces that can be really compelling. I, you know, I, I think that, you know, there's some stuff with Talzin, there's some stuff with Maul, there's some stuff with Luminara that I think can surprise people and can get some work done, but often it requires splashing Django or splashing a piece from some of those other lists and so you're making some sacrifices in order to get there yeah agreed absolutely agreed so with that being the case let's let's close this off and talk about where we think the meta goes from here so first off how do you think Plo changes things Matt 
So I think everything in the plow box is looking really, really good. Yeah. I think I ran the dice numbers on like plows attacks with you know, coordinated fire, expose, and Vader, and both. And like plow with the help from those influences, plows attacks look monstrous. Force yes. push looks monstrous. Like he looks like he could be really strong. Wolf looks really good. Wolf pack, I think are not like the most impressive, but I think that they're like, hey, they're a clone trooper with eight health that wants to like be in melee. Yes. And if and they look like they're gonna be good enough that like, yes, they're gonna be the best four cost clone trooper support because the bar is just not that high. <laughs> so I I do think that the natural inertia because because like 501st are so bad and ARFs are so good. I think that the natural inertia of Republic pushes you towards running one of Vader, Anakin, Mace, and I think like Vader is just the clear best option. Yeah. And then you're going to pair him with one of Kenobi or Padme or Lumi or Plo, and I kind of think Plo is going to be the best one. And yeah. I think that the other natural fit there is that while Vader synergizes with a lot of people, he really does elevate what Republic wants to do in a way that doesn't overlap with other lists. And so I think it's a really strong premier option. I know that people have been like when Wolfpack was um, spoiled, I think everybody was like, Oh, these guys are not that awesome. Right. Because yeah. you know, they're, they, they look, you look at their card, they look very middle of the road. And I think like they are not off. They're not as good as ARFs, obviously, especially for their cost. Right. But what they have, which Republic has always struggled with is access to additional dice, a little yeah. bit more health, and the ability to contest the midline in a meaningful way with... I mean, they are they have a great tree with all of the dice that they're going to be having, right? Even though... Not, not for damage, but for shoves, right? And for repositioning. And I think it's... I think that the plow box, you know, with with Vader especially... I mean, Matt Bron Bronson has talked about this. I think a lot of people have talked about this, that this list is going to be pretty scary because Plo is effectively a better Asajj who pairs with Vader in a way that yep. Asajj doesn't really do, right? So that's going to be a very interesting... I, I'm super excited to see how that list shakes yeah. out. I think so. I, I, th I think really it's the thing where like, if you look at Wolfpack on the bar of like other four-cost supports, I can see why you would come to that conclusion. Yeah. As somebody who has tried really, really hard to make Clone Commandos and 212th work, seeing that they're like actually good baseline stats instead of like below curve stats just seems yeah. really really great um, i think wolfpack have potential i think wolf looks like a beast himself oh both man, in yeah. melee and in range like he just seems like a, a secondary that can get stuff done yeah and his ability to bolster defense a little bit plo's ability to bolster defense a lot i mean the big problem from my view has always been the republic supports can't contest objectives without just evaporating yep and playing handmaidens at eight health with reasonable defenses has really shown like how valuable that breakpoint is. If they can get to that breakpoint where a like non-Vader attack is going to struggle to one-shot them, then suddenly like that turns on Kenobi hunker token stuff. That yep. turns on a whole bunch of tools that really make life difficult for your opponent. Absolutely, I one hundred percent agree with that. Uh, so, I, and it's also not that this is super meaningful, but I mean, I think it's a leading indicator that Plo on uh, Longshanks has a fifty six percent win rate, and he's been in one hundred and fifty games. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Okay, what do you think? How do the Murder Bears fit in? What are they going to do to change the meta? So, Ewoks can land at a couple of different interesting places in my mind. 
I think they're going to catch a lot of people by surprise and blow them out. I think they're going to be a lot of salt about them early on. Yep. And we're going to see, and we've already seen a fair amount of people complaining about the like turn one trap. Yeah. Pin. (laughs) Yeah. Explosion. Two damage, like, push everyone back. Like that's gonna be frustrating, but like the chances of that are pretty minimal, and like the the, the difference between like like I don't know. I, I think that those are gonna be effective. I suspect that like where they're going to land. So it's possible that they are just like oppressive and good and blow everybody out, and then there's a problem. Yeah, I think it's a lot more likely that they're kind of a like a noob stomper list. Right, that yes. they're they're going to be there to kind of teach newer players like how to deal with a particular kind of aggression, and they're going to be a bit of a like you must be this tall. Like if you don't have a plan for Ewoks, then you are going to have some trouble. But I do think they're going to be more of like a a, a matchup specific thing. Right, I suspect they're going to really stomp on a particular kind of list that's out there, and I could see them as a premier option where you say. I have one good all-comers list that I think, you know, a Vader Dooku or a something that I think is just good all the time, but there's one matchup that I'm worried about that the Ewoks just stomp, and so I'm just going to take an Ewok list and to buffer against that. That'd be, that would be wild. What, how do you think that Luke and Vader 2 fit in? So it's really hard to tell because we, like, they're... So Vader 2 especially is, like really built around the assumption of empire synergies that we just don't have yet. We don't have visibility to. Yeah. Um, I think stormtrooper sergeant turns on some interesting things with inquisitors because it allows you to run both inquisitor supports. Yep. Um, and so I, th- I think that the like Vader one stormtrooper sergeant, like full inquisitor list with Django in it seems pretty like that seems respectable for sure. Um, I think that empire, it's hard to say about the empire stuff otherwise, but Vader 2, I think, potentially could have a very strong home in an Imperial-focused list, but I think that he's going to be kind of locked into that spot where you you play him if you're going full Empire, otherwise you just run Jedi Hunter Vader instead. Yeah. Um, Luke is really interesting because he he doesn't he and the rest of his box don't really have a ton of Rebel synergies in the way that you would expect. Yeah. Like Leia, Boosh, and or. R2 Lando are really built a little bit more around the spy synergy, but even then it's just kind of like they're there and Luke is just kind of doing his own thing. I think Luke Dooku is looking really, really compelling, particularly yes. in the like core box or like a, a premier list that's building around like a Dooku core. I'm looking pretty strongly at doing a like Vader core premier list that involves running Vader core and then like a Plo squad and Obi-Wan squad and then a Luke squad. I think like Luke Vader also looks crazy good. So yeah. we'll, we'll have to see how that stuff pans out. But I think Luke looks like much more of the like flexible threat, like what we've seen from Vader than Vader 2 does. Where Vader 2 reminds me a lot more of like, he's doing Vader things, but he's doing them in a specific context. Yeah, as opposed to just being generically all around good. Yeah. Okay, and then last question is, does Dooku remain at the top of the meta? I mean, absolutely. I think there's okay. no reason to expect him to go anywhere. <laughs> Agreed. I, to- I, I, totally I think agree that, that he's going to be the best pairing for a lot of things. He's probably Vader's best pairing. He's probably going to be Luke's best pairing. He is probably Grievous's best pairing. Like I think most primaries in the game are still going to pair with him best. And the fact that like he allows you to take all of the best units in each slot from the Clone Wars era. And then if you want to cross era synergy, you can or not because yeah. the synergies they bring are so universal. 
yeah, I think Dooku's not going anywhere. Yeah, I I 100% agree. He's just too, he's, his box is too good for, well, his box is just too good. Dooku, Django, Magnus are just, it's super good. It's super flexible, offensively, defensively, reposition-wise, right? Like, every one of those units has strong uh, displacement capabilities, and so, and we've, we've just seen how valuable that is, right? Yeah. So the other thing that I'm really curious about is the primary Leia and her ability to make Ewoks and Rebels cross compatible. I think looks really, really compelling. Uh, I I don't I don't think there's been a ton of attention on that, and mm-hmm. largely because yeah. we haven't seen a lot of other Rebel synergies. And there's yeah. a little bit of like you know character identity overlap between like R two and Luke's box and Leia and some of that stuff. But as we get the like Han Chewie box and as we get some other things, I suspect that that like one of the options for a good like rebel synergy list is going to be like taking the best unit or two or three from the Ewoks and putting them together with the best good stuff in rebels and saying they're out, they can all play together now with Leia as a primary. Yeah. I'm super, I mean, I am not excited to play Ewoks, but I just love like primary Leia just looks so cool. I'm super excited to see her on the table. Absolutely. All right, well, that's it for this episode. It feels kind of like the end of a, an era because we're about we're about to see a pretty, I think, a pretty significant shift in the meta, at least in terms of things that are going to be played consistently. And so, while I think that a lot of units will obviously continue to to stay very relevant, it's going to be really fun to see this next phase of the game. Now we're getting a bunch of stuff. We're going to be getting a bunch of stuff in May. I mean, like the Mandalorian's coming out, the Bad Bash is coming out, so it'll be really fun, like, to see this next phase of the meta. But this has been a really interesting. I don't, it's, I don't think it's quite accurate to call it Wave One, but kind of Wave One ish, right? Of the the first eight months of the Shatterpoint meta to kind of see where everything settled. So, it'll be really interesting to see where things go going forward. But we encourage everyone. I, I actually, I know that most people who are probably even listening to this podcast have probably already got the next wave stuff in where we are uh, the stuff doesn't release till february 23rd i know a lot of people have already gotten it and we are very envious of you but we hope that everyone who hasn't yet got it is able to get theirs this week and get them painted and have a ton of fun with it we want to thank everyone for listening 